We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory Live. Presented by Emprise Bank. Find a bank that doesn't flag you for holding. In fact, they'll reward you for it. Just don't tell the refs. Earn 1.75 annual percentage yield on your monthly balance with a high interest checking account at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com. Member FDIC. So appreciative of them and all they've done for KC Sports Network. It's been a big week uh, already. Got to do our first live post game show excited to be doing another live show with my dear pals first find him on twitter at chief in carolina maddie lane i just want to let you know i would stick a forearm in the chest of someone trying to step on you as well okay i greatly appreciate that i almost appreciate that as much as i appreciate the undefeated kansas city chiefs as we are talking here on this monday evening and i do got to say kent if somebody was in fact stepping on your belly on purpose, I would be the first person to get up in there and get them off you can't because I do respect you and want your delicate quarterback self to stay safe. <laughs> Craig, would you join me in defending Kent's honor on the football field? Sure. I'll, I'll get kicked out of a game real quick. I, we, can, we can go. It's Victory Monday, just like our good pal Azuri Gunner just put in the chat. We are live. So if you are here or if you are listening, you need to get in on this. Drop your questions in the chat. We're going to talk about the football game that happened. The Chiefs 1-0 beating one of the AFC rivals that they're going to probably see in the playoffs again. Well, they might, depending on what side of the bracket, but probably an AFC playoff team in the Cleveland Browns. It's a good game. I, I I enjoyed it. At least one side of the ball. Craig, we got to work on one thing. We're not one and zero. We're undefeated. Sounds a lot more intimidating than I'm saying sorry. one and zero. The undefeated. I can see. I can see Maddie. Just it's a great day to be a fan of the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. Hopefully, they can stretch that for an extended period of time. But we're not here to preview the Ravens game. We're here to talk about what happened. Uh, Just, you know, about 27 hours ago, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Cleveland Browns 33-29. You got to hear a little bit of our uh, takes on the the KCSN post-game show, but we're going to kind of flush some things out, let the dust clear. Got to watch a little bit more, maybe getting in in depth on a few more things here. 
Uh, but I do want I you know what I want to start with this um, the defensive side of the football it was it was an up and down roller coaster for this for this defense I think you know there was some really discouraging moments early on it seemed like maybe they settled in made some adjustments in the second half things got a little bit better towards the end and they made some key plays Craig yeah they did Andy Reid talked about Steve Spagnuolo making some adjustments after halftime unfortunately we don't have the all 22 so we can't see the secondary adjustments but from the front seven perspective, there wasn't a whole lot different that we saw. A couple games up front, a blitz. But realistically, I felt like they were pretty good on third downs in the first half. Maybe a little bit soft, allowing the Cleveland Browns to be able to go for some of those fourth downs. But really stepped it up there at the end of the game. Got some important stops when they needed it. And forced a mistake out of Baker Mayfield that ultimately was the deciding factor of the game. But... We need to talk a little bit about this run defense because, frankly, it was awful. <laughs> and it didn't really matter what formation they were in. It, it, I know a lot of blame is lying with the linebackers. I, and a lot of blame should lie with the defensive ends. The Cleveland Browns won on the edges really, really successfully in the run game. Nobody played particularly well against the run, and it didn't matter if it was nickel or base. The Cleveland Browns rushed for almost the exact same yard per carry over six yards per carry. Didn't matter what the Chiefs did, how they tried to attack it, how they shifted the three tech to the boundary or played it with the running back or whatever the case may be. There wasn't much they could do to stop it. And it was because the defensive ends couldn't hold contain and the linebackers just didn't have the street, the speed and the stretch to get to the outside. Oh, and I'm not going to absolve this interior defensive line group or the safeties yeah, and this run either. defense either. This interior defensive line unit, I think, especially versus the run, we kind of all expect it to be pretty good. Now, they are facing up against probably the best interior offensive line in all the NFL or one of the best in the Cleveland Browns. So you would expect some struggles. But man, Derek Nottie, Jaron Reed, Tershawn Wharton, Colin Saunders, none of these guys, I don't think, put out particularly great film against this Browns up front. They were allowing these interior guys to get free climbs directly to the Chiefs linebackers immediately as soon as the snap happened. And that makes it really hard for already not the most athletic group of second level defenders to go out there and race to the edges that the defensive ends weren't able to hold contain on. And then, you know, that one out of every 12 plays that the defensive line maybe held their gaps. Maybe they didn't get off blocks. That's another story, but they, they held their gaps. There was no safeties coming up. The, nobody was running the alley. I mean, one of those touchdown runs, I think Dan Sorensen stood in the end zone until Jarvis Landry on the end around literally started getting upfield, even though it was stretched out. Nobody played the run particularly well. This is something that does have to be fixed. I like that Craig started this off with the word frankly, because I, I don't <laughs> care what you think about Frank Clark. I really don't care if you like his play, don't like his play, think he's worth the money or not. If you watch that game and you don't come away thinking that Frank Clark makes this run defense better with not only his own play, but the energy and the tenacity he brings, like I don't know what to tell you if you don't think that he would have helped this team immensely in this particular game with his mentality and his run defense. Hopefully the Chiefs get him back soon. Hopefully this upcoming week with the Ravens, because I know the Ravens are missing like 18 running backs, but they're still going to try to run the ball. It would really be nice to not have a repeat of this game on the ground from this defense. Oh, man, I, I think Frank Clark would be a massive addition because well, there's some stuff we're going to have to pay attention to, I think, on the other side at the defensive end position, too. We can maybe talk about that here in a second. But I think Chris Jones, the defensive end, it might be a bad matchup for him with the Ravens, potentially, for a few reasons. And we might get into that a little bit. We can talk more in a second. Um, but that, you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I 
I think there was some decent tackling performances. Like I think they did a pretty decent job at times playing and tackling well early. I just think that they were just, I honestly, like they were just getting, like you said, free climbs up to the second level. And just, it was just like untouched for three yards, four yards. That was the problem for me in a lot of different types. I thought there was some decent performances actually trying to wrap up and tackle, maybe some gang tackling at times, but they, you're right. Access up to the second level, three, four yards down the field. That was a problem. Chris Jones, the defensive end experiment. That was the first sample size we've got. Uh, and I know, I know Maddie had some takes about the Chris Jones defensive end experiment you wanted to get off your chest. Yeah, I think early in the game, it was pretty evident that there was going to be some learning curves. I mean, there was at least one screen, but I believe there was two screens where he was very clearly passed off by the offensive tackle. Then the running back dipped completely out of his way, and he never once retraced the steps. He didn't get his hands up. He just was a guy. He was a guy seeing red. He saw a free path to the quarterback. He took it. The screen was dumped in behind him. There was another run play. I believe it was one of the touchdowns the tight end was able to just stretch Chris Jones out and Chris Jones held contain on the play, but this is Steve Spagnuolo's defense. Your job as a defensive end isn't to hold contain versus tight end. You own the C gap. Your gap. You get through the tight end into the tackle and make that gap yours. Chris Jones just dominated tight end in that situation. So yeah, I do think there were some learning moments for Chris Jones, especially early in the game. I don't think he got beat too much by scheme. They actually kind of ran away from him, let him chase stuff down the backside. So that was good. I just think there was some more playing time at defensive end and you can start to get a better idea of what he's looking like because they think they he was able to be just a step behind in some of the technical aspects. Chris Jones is a pass rusher. Didn't show up for three quarters. I don't mean nobody did at all besides him, but didn't show up for three quarters. And all of a sudden the fourth quarter, Chris Jones, the pass rusher, took over. He made that backup left tackle look pitiful. He beat Jack Conklin really bad on a play. Like he took over in the in that fourth quarter. So that you that's what you needed to see. You needed to see Chris Jones come in, big money time, ask for big money players. And Chris Jones was just that as a pass rusher. So you do see where he wins as a pass rusher from being out wide. It looked good. Once he started like really trying, it looked really good. I just do think you are going to get a lot of ups and downs with him out there because he's still learning a new position. And I want to see Chris Jones against a more traditional offense, if that makes some sense, before we start really getting too far ahead of ourselves. I mean, the Browns were going to run the ball, and they were going to run the ball like crazy, which means a lot of times you're going to have these defensive ends playing run first. And the Chiefs not being ahead in most of this game, it resulted in the Browns being able to execute more of their play action passing game. You know, the chiefs having to respect the run a lot more than they probably will against a lot of opponents coming up this year. So I want to see more of a pass heavy game script for Chris Jones, like we should expect this chiefs teams to see, I mean, fingers crossed the defense plays better than they did, you know, (laughs) in this one against the Browns. So if he's in more of a pass heavy script, are we going to see him get to pin his ears back? Are we going to see the fourth quarter, Chris, quarters one, two, three, and four, rather than maybe just in quarter four when the Browns were having to throw a little bit more, having to drop back more traditionally? I got some numbers here real quick, guys. Just, just throwing these out here. With play action, quick passing, screens, you know, a lot of these easy throws that were made easy by scheme and play action, Baker Mayfield, through for 15.7 yards mm. per attempt, 220 yards passing. When they had to do a more traditional drop back without 
bootlegs, without play action, without the quick passing, you know, more of a traditional drop back, dropped to 4.8 yards per attempt. The Chiefs defense was much, much better against those more traditional passing concepts, really got into Spagnuolo's wheelhouse a little bit more. I feel like we're going to see more of that if the Chiefs can get out to the leads that we expect them to with Mahomes in this offense. So I want to see more of Chris Jones in those situations rather than these ones that we were seeing. Good offensive line, good rushing attack. Let's talk a little bit about the offense real quick because you just talked about Baker Mayfield. And I think Baker Mayfield did some very good things last week. I think he was really good for 50 minutes. The problem is that the Browns needed him to be good for 60 minutes. And the reason is because Patrick Mahomes was excellent for 60 minutes. And the Browns did a good job keeping pace. But late in that game, Patrick Mahomes maintained that consistency. I loved watching that performance from him because, you know, we saw the mature version. I think we talked about this a little bit on the live show. We talked about the maturity of Patrick Mahomes, a very mature version of himself that we're starting to see, even though he's only 25 years old. But he turned it on and made a big play to Tyreek Hill out of structure, you know, trying to create. And that really jump-started, you know, that, that, that late dominance from this football team. That was the tone-setter play. Patrick Mahomes had to go out and be great. There's so many positive things from, the, from, from, from beginning to end. There's not much to complain about from what Patrick Mahomes did in week one, Matt. I think this was another performance where you see Patrick Mahomes was completely in control of everything that happened. And I actually think the best way to showcase that is the long touchdown to Tyree Kill. I think is the play that's going to get a lot of hype that people are going to talk about today because sure. of Miles Garrett's comments about it, about how <laughs> just because he just kind of said he threw it up there, it wasn't a great ball or anything like that. I think if you go back and watch that play, one, Patrick Mahomes does get a little bit of pressure. He escapes it, never panics. He's rolling towards the sideline. He's he's playing with the media when he tells you he didn't see Tyree kill. He just saw the hand or whatever. Like he's playing with the media a little bit. He's pandering. He threw the ball to the back shoulder on a deep crossing route while on the move because the safety had his back to him and was running 110% to not get outrun by the fastest player in the NFL. He made an actual decision to put the ball back to the inside and short so that Tyree kill could track the ball and come back to it because the safety would have no chance to do that. It wasn't the prettiest looking pass, but he put it in the best spot it could possibly be thrown. I think that's getting overlooked a little bit when you kind of see that ball wobble out of his hand. People are saying it was a bad throw and Tyreek Hill made it look good. No, Patrick Mahomes was in control on that throw, just like he was this entire game. The Cleveland Browns defense had absolutely no answer for anything the Chiefs were doing all game long. And if you're a, a fan of any other NFL team, that's got to be a little scary. I mean, this defense has come out and said they've tried to build this team to beat the Chiefs. Didn't work at all on that side of the ball for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he placed that pass perfectly. I, I mean, he dropped that exactly where the safety wasn't and where only Tyree Kill could get to. It was essentially a 50-50 ball, except the safety is chasing Tyreek with his back to the play, making it less of a 50-50 ball. I mean, it really was perfect placement. Just like our good pals at Macadoodles would be perfect placement in Kansas City. Uh, guys, we got to get one of these up here. Customer service. You've heard me talk about it. These people take such great care of you. They will, they will help you select every alcohol, whether it's beer, wine, liquor, anything you've got. They will help pick the one that fits you perfectly. They will deliver it to your car, and they will get it to you with good 
prices and great selection. I mean, we desperately need one of these in Kansas City so that you can get your tailgate supplies there. So if you are a franchisee, get a hold of Roger at info at macadoodles.com. Beat the rush before somebody else comes in and takes advantage of the fact that they are going to bring a Macadoodles up to Kansas City. You better get there first because you want to be the one that takes advantage of this. Do it today. Get it in the perfect spot, which is Kansas City, just like Patrick Mahomes threw that ball to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I love it, Craig. I was I was racking my ba- brain trying to figure out how I was going to try to help set you up for a potential, but you just went ahead and did it yourself. Yes, Craig is the best at ad transitions, Kyle Coffee. You're absolutely right. And I mean, he's the best at a lot of things. Let's just be honest. Stop. Listen, I think Craig's so good at ad transitions, we can just plan on leaving him out on an island to come up with these on his own, kind of like the Chiefs do with their offensive tackles. <laughs> Kit, what did you think about the Chiefs' new offensive tackles against the Browns? Uh, I like the interior a lot better. <laughs> I think it was a very firm pocket along the interior. I think there were some issues along the edges. Um, and not to say that it was, you know, I don't think it was as bad as some people have portrayed it, maybe perhaps. Uh, in the Twitter sphere, in the media sphere, where they're the two worst tackles that played this week. Uh, but I do think there were some growing pains, I think mostly on the right side. I thought Lucas Niang kind of had some struggles in week one compared to, to, to Orlando Brown. I think it was Niang that I think got had more struggles. Not to say Brown is completely absolved, but... Um, there was a lot, I, you know, the, the athletic, the athleticism, I think is just, it's just, it's going to be a, it's, it's, it's a glaring weakness for both of these guys. It's not, you know, neither of these guys look particularly athletic. They don't look as comfortable getting out, um, but they're just trying to wash guys wide a lot right now. I mean, and that's in, in to Mahomes credit, he's done a really good job of adapting to that. He's trusting that interior, that firm pocket, but you know, these guys are just trying to wash these guys wide and Patrick Mahomes is having to step up. It wasn't the prettiest performance in the world by any stretch of the word, but I think there's room to grow. I think there's room to build on. Both of these guys will get a little bit more comfortable. You got to remember, this is Lucas Niang's first game ever. This is Orlando Brown's first game in Andy Reid's offense where, you know, look at where he's come from too. So there's a lot of nuance to that take, I guess, but it wasn't the prettiest thing. And I don't think with these two offensive tackles, you are going to get the prettiest pass sets. You're not going to get the prettiest plays in pass protection. You're going to get a lot of it got the job done. And, and I was quickly skimming through as fast as I could some of the game again this morning. That's what I saw a lot of. I think the Chiefs actually went well out of their way to make sure that they created a designated pocket, like an actual firm pocket for Patrick Mahomes to step up mm-hmm. into. And these offensive tackles, much more than the years past, because there's some physical limitations, weren't trying to match these edge rushers, you know, 10, 11, 12 yards up the field. They were getting to eight and nine yards and then just trying to make sure those defensive ends couldn't curl back underneath and come from behind Mahomes in the pocket. They were sticking to the back hip. They were trying to drive them up and wide, like Kent was saying. And that interior of the offensive line did such a good job of just giving Patrick Mahomes places to step up. There was you know, a good three, four, five plays minimum where Patrick Mahomes stepped up to evade what would have been a really deep edge rush into a pristine pocket and then delivered a pass. So I think the offensive tackles actually played relatively well for what they were asked to do. I think there's a little, you got to kind of shift our minds. We don't have Eric Fisher, who's one of the best athletes to ever come out of, you know, college football as an offensive tackle. Mitchell Schwartz, who maybe wasn't that kind of athlete, but was so good, technically speaking, that he could cover all that ground. It's not going to look the same, but what these guys did, I think was really good for what the Chiefs are trying to do. Now, that last sack on third and 10, 
it's going to happen. You know, a speed yeah. rush where these guys time the snap. Patrick is Patrick. Like I know him first person, you know, something. <laughs> Mahomes is a little late to start sliding up, whether he dropped, you know, half a yard too deep, whether the offensive tackles just couldn't get their hands on the edge rushers enough. I don't know, but it was, they were half a second away from Mahomes sliding up in that pocket again. Plays like that might happen. But I mean, overall, I thought the tackles were good and it was all kind of centered around that stout interior that just wasn't allowing really any pressure up the middle. Yeah, the interior was good. And you got to see Patrick Mahomes escape under the tackles multiple times all game long. All day. That's going uh, all day. We haven't seen that in recent history. We, we really haven't. Patrick Mahomes had an avenue that wasn't out the back and he trusted that it was going to be there. And like Maddie said, that, that one play that we saw at the end of the game where Patrick Mahomes did get hit at the top of his drop. It was a very quick speed rush. You guys, Miles Garrett ain't lining up opposite of Orlando Brown every single week. It's going to get easier until they get to TJ Watt, and then it's going to get easier again. <laughs> so I, I'm going to chase Young's on this game. Man. Von Miller looked pretty darn good yesterday. Murderer's yeah. Row this year, and we, <laughs> I didn't even mention the Bosa. So maybe it's going to happen, but you are going to see... There's always a Garrett somewhere. (laughs) There's always a Garrett somewhere. Um, You're going to see defensive ends trying to work a little more inside against these guys as Patrick Mahomes does escape up the inside. And that's going to be nice because that's where those guys are really going to win. That length and that power on the inside, they're not going to get beat inside as often as they might up the arc. And that's going to play to their strengths. So you're going to see defensive ends try and mix it up a little bit more than we saw Cleveland do. And that's going to result in some positive stuff for Patrick Mahomes. He's going to have more time. I already felt like he had a a lot more time to deliver the ball. He was able to deliver some strikes downfield that we didn't get to see last year. I was very happy in pass protection with the interior offensive line and with the tackles, despite some issues there to be expected in this new system. I remember last year we thought the week one offensive line was a little bit rough and there was some timing issues and all that stuff for all things considered a brand new offensive line here, five across the board, good timing on the offensive side of the football yesterday. I think, I think everything was actually pretty decently in rhythm. Um, There probably is an emphasis, an extra emphasis placed on not getting beaten side by these tackles and and, trying to wash these guys wide and Patrick Mahomes responded appropriately to that. That would be my perspective. If they try to, if, 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 if edge rushers try to try to try to work inside too much, the ball's going to be gone anyway, because that length you're like, to your point, Craig, it's going to get, it's going to, it's going to disrupt it enough that the ball's going to be on it, uh, be gone anyway. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he's on time. He's getting the ball out of his hands. It's, it's not rushed. It's all under control. It's just, that's some of the maturation and the growth that we saw for, you know, the vast majority of that game until he kind of went Patrick LeVon Mahomes mode for a little bit too. So plus if you're going inside, Joe Tooney and Trey Smith are there, and they're kind of day ruiners. And if you got a four-man rush, one of those dudes is going to kind of put you on your ass. So I mean, you don't want to do that. We saw what Trey Smith did on that Patrick Mahomes run. Can we, I mean, honestly, like we're kind of over talk. We're not. We're not talking enough. I don't think about how the fact that the Chiefs had two interior offensive linemen rookies, and they both looked excellent in their first mm-hmm. in their first week. I thought both of those guys had great games, and we're just kind of glossing over it a little bit. 
that, that oh we're just oh the the, the interior oh, of the offensive oh. line was firm the you know there's oh, just they, a firm pocket the middle of the offensive line oh. it's been a problem for three years four years five years however long now we've yeah. been complaining about it all this time and we're just like oh firm pocket you know whatever it's okay it's fine it's, like it's, it's been such an issue for so long that i think <laughs> as soon as the hype started get going for these guys at training camp I think we've just all we've had the process as fans now of months long of yeah. hearing how good Creed Humphrey, how good Trey Smith have been. Yeah. We saw them in camp. We saw them in the preseason. Like I don't. I think we kind of expected this, but we should still talk about it because it was really good. I think Creed Humphrey didn't allow pressure. Trey Smith might have been credited with one at one point in time, but some of the stuff he was able to do in the run game has been. Uh, Trey Smith and Lucas Niang working together off that right-hand side in the run game, they create a lot of space. They can really move some bodies, those two of them specifically. Those are two really big, strong guys. So I do think that we kind of should spend a little bit more time on the interior, but I also don't know what else there is to say other than they played really darn good. They didn't get beat. You know, the Chiefs didn't run the ball a ton, and when they did, it was mostly based because Cleveland was giving them space. And so, you know, we kind of did ish there. That's a different topic. We'll get to that. We're going to get to the Chiefs run game later. (laughs) We have a segment coming up later on that we are going to get to this Chiefs run game a little bit. But I just think as far as the blocking goes, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, even Joe Tooney, you can lump them in there. All these guys were doing a really good job. I don't really have many holes to nitpick until you can get to see all 22, which we may or may not get. It's hard to tell you like everything that they did really, really well. But just regular watch, watching the replay, that interior, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. So you should be excited if you're a fan. And we can get into the run blocking here in a second. But I just want to I want to make one one other point uh, that the, the, the field goal at the beginning of the game, which, you know, all <laughs> of us were kind of starting to stress out about at the end, obviously. We don't forget that it was a questionable Joe Tooney hold from being first in goal at the one. And that really set that whole possession back. And I don't, I didn't like the hold call. If I'm being honest, I thought it was pretty weak, especially yeah. So, refs, it's, it was weak. It, it was weak. It was some selling weak. going. Yeah, it was so, pretty weak. Where do you guys sit on that field goal call? So you're you're vehemently against it, Huckett. Okay? You you hated the call to kick the field goal. I didn't love it at the time. Uh, I didn't love it. No, I didn't. Correct. Uh, I'm I'm numb to it because that's what Andy always does. Like <laughs> I'm just numb to it. Yeah. So that's that's where I was going to go next though. To me, that decision, while I would have gone for it if I was head coach of a team, that decision in that moment was like, yeah, Andy's simply saying this is a statement saying we've been here before, and guess what? We know we're going to be back in the red zone. We don't need to steal points against the Browns. We don't need to. We know we're going to come back down and score again. There's no reason to match you tit for tat going for these fourth downs when we're in you know chip shot field goal range. So. And one hand, like I do get people that wanted to go for it. But on the other hand, I actually think it was kind of like a, you know, a posturing move by Andy Reid to say, yeah, I don't have to chase your touchdown right now because we are going to get our points. And guess what? They did. Shocking. (laughs) Yeah. It just took three more quarters after that for it to finally manifest itself. Like that's the flow of that game really didn't change until the fourth quarter. I don't think, I mean, I, you know, the chiefs were kind of a buzzsaw. I think for, I mean, we don't, we kind of take it for granted, but the chiefs were really kind of a buzzsaw offensively. And I know there was some issues in the secondary. I don't care. Don't kick people. I, th- there, there's your there's your take. Don't kick people. But, you know, th- that, that team largely was a buzzsaw outside of, of that one play. There was a very dominant performance um, from Mahomes. I thought he was uber efficient. 
Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill getting getting open all over the field. The offensive line, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about. There was a lot of good things there. Uh, I think this next segment is not all. Well, hang on, things. hang on. Before oh. we, before we finish that, I, I just think that it's it's worth noting here, it, kind of going in tandem with what you're saying. That offense being a buzzsaw. Uh, Trevor Sigma said it earlier today. I, I've heard it a couple of times actually. You know, teams talk about how the opposition for the Chiefs just chokes the chiefs chiefs are lucky and you know things things happen they always seem to go these breaks that go the chiefs way Trevor Sikama pointed out it's like we got to stop calling it choking against the chiefs because there's such immense pressure on these teams to execute and I think that that's a wonderful way to put it I mean think about the losses in the Patrick Mahomes era it took injuries or a D-plus game script, or D-plus Andy, or, you know, just awful execution on top of everything having to go your way perfectly to squeak out victories against this Chiefs team. I mean, it's really hard to win in the NFL, and when you're going up against a team that can just drop 14 points on you in the matter of seconds and just flip the game on its head, and that goes on defense. I'd like... Spagnolo, you know, dialing something up that just sets you back all of a sudden, and you're facing third and long. You got to punt the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. You drop the punt, all of a sudden you panic. And instead of pooch punting it away and trying to get the thing away, you panic. And that's what happens when you've got the immense pressure of the Chiefs, of Andy Reid, of Patrick Mahomes, opposite of that. So, yeah, it's psychological going up against these guys each and every single week because you have to be perfect. And anything less than perfection, as the Browns are very well aware of from this past weekend, results in a loss. Even in a game that they played pr pretty damn well in, it took a handful of mistakes and the Chiefs just absolutely punish teams for doing that because you've got the execution of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes on the other side. I just thought it was a, a wonderful point and I, I really do think that we should stop calling it choking against the Chiefs because it really is not. I mean, it, it's so much pressure. The Chiefs. Well, think, oh, go, go, go Maddie, go for well, it. I was going to say, I think John Johnson's reaction to the Tyreek Hill touchdown is kind of a perfect example of this. Like you could tell he was he was tearing himself apart. Somebody else had to come up and kind of you know comfort him is not necessarily the right word, but still, listen, come up and show support and like make him feel like it wasn't you know all his fault that this is happening because you're playing as hard as you can you're, you're doing everything you can to just barely hold on to this lead against the chiefs and then you just give up that play which that play can happen any single play against the chiefs that play's always right there it's always a millisecond away from happening and you can just see how soul crushing it is for opponents you can go back to mahomes rookie year and all the viral videos of everybody put together reactions of defenders when he's making these throws Little things like that, they play a part. You get all these fourth quarter comebacks, Andy Reid being undefeated in September or all weeks, and then you start racking up these ridiculous plays. Like There is so much pressure to play any NFL game, but especially against this iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, with Andy Reid, with Steve Spagnuolo, who I think played a relatively vanilla game without Tyron Matthew and being really week vanilla. one. But you know something crazy is going to come. Ask Baker Mayfield in the last play of the game, that interception. Like, it's always right there. There is so much to prepare for when you play the Chiefs. And even when you prepare and execute 100% correctly, guess what? There's still a chance that it doesn't work because that's how good this team is. Imagine doing that for 60 straight minutes. That's what you're going up against. 
you can be 100% right for 60 minutes and it still might not matter. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the, the Chiefs didn't blink, even though they were down 12. They didn't blink the entirety of the game. And that's kind of speaking to all this stuff we're talking about. They're just waiting. They're just waiting for them to make that one mistake. And the last 10 minutes of that game didn't go great for the Browns. The Browns blinked. And that's why they're the third best team in the AFC and why there's a huge gap between them and the Chiefs. And now look at we look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are one game up on, I think, probably their two biggest contenders in the AFC, the Bills and the Browns. Those are probably the two teams that have the best chance of, of competing with this team in January at Arrowhead after the Chiefs have secured uh, the only buy in the AFC, which they're on their way to. And now they're one game ahead on both of the two top contenders, I think in, in, uh, in that. Uh, all right, Maddie, you, uh, you have, you have a segment you want us to do here. Uh, yeah, let's I go. Do. I do. So I just wanted to come out with a controversial corner. So this is just a nice little corner of this live stream, this live podcast that we're going to here, where we're all going to have just one controversial take that you guys listening, the majority of you are probably going to disagree with. Now, maybe not, you know, we could be a little bit off base and what's going to be controversial or not. We don't know what everyone's thinking, but just based on some interactions that I've had across the timeline and just what I've seen people say, I think we all probably have some hot takes. They're not all going to be negative. They're not all going to be positive, but we just have some takes going to get off our chest. And I know someone who's got a big take they want to talk about. So Kent Swanson, Rant Swanson, the floor is yours. Let's, let's hear a little bit about whatever your hot take is you're bringing to Controversial Corner. Ah, uh, it feels good to be here at Controversial Corner, I tell you what. Uh, if this was happening Go. yesterday, uh-oh, if this was happening <laughs> yesterday, you would probably get Rant. Because Rant gets mad. I might get mad still. I don't know. I'm just really disappointed. I'm really disappointed in third-year wide receiver McCole Hardman. That was not a confidence-inducing game from the, by the way, third-year receiver. There is no excuse ever to say, well, he's young. There is more, there's less than half of his rookie contract left in Kansas City. So maybe he's young, but the mistakes that he made This week, the Chiefs are having to live with now. And maybe he's matured enough on someone else's team with his second contract, and he'll still be young. But the performance we saw this week was unacceptable from him because it had nothing to do with his speed. It had nothing to do with his route running ability. It had nothing to do with his physical capabilities. It had everything to do with little attention to detail. He pulled up short on a second and long one yard short of the line to gain. So the Chiefs had to bring out the belldozer to take a snap and quarterback sneak the next play. Now, no, wait, I love that, though. Can, it was I, pretty I'm cool. Was we could have cool. seen it next week, though. Come on. <laughs> we got we to gotta keep stuff in the bag proceed, here. Proceed, Look, proceed. It was an unacceptable moment because there was no one within any distance of him. He was avoiding getting a hit. There was a secondary players closing, but there was an extra yard to get there easily, maybe two. And instead, he pulled up short. I don't know if it was a lack of situational awareness, a lack of of being not wanting to get hit. I don't know. He might have also missed. He might have almost lost his helmet on the sidelines on a special team snap. These are little things that should not be happening in year three. The Chiefs have four years of him left or under club under club control. They've already burned through two, and he's making the same mistakes that he did. 
his rookie year. Demarcus Robinson outsapped him again. And it's because these little attention, these little this lack of attention to detail. And Demarcus Robinson doesn't know which way's north. And he's still out snapping him. I just I, it's so disappointing because this team needs the talent of McCole Hardman to take a step. And Patrick Mahomes, you would love to see Patrick Mahomes trusting McCole Hardman in more situations. But you watch the game, you watch the way that game is played. You watch his targets. You watch how they get him involved in that game. And what was it? A throw in the flat where he pulled up short of the line to gain, not confidence inducing. An RPO catch. I think another manufactured touch. It's the same stuff. It has nothing to do with his route running growth. There's not a lot of plays happening down the field. And that's what's so disappointing is he is still the same guy. He is the gadget player that catches a deep ball every four games. That being said, it could be this week. I, you know, it might be, it might, this might be a good week upcoming for him to catch one of those plays, which would be great. Then everybody's going to be in my mansion saying, see, I told you, I told you first. So anyways, he's had success against the Ravens. And exactly going into this game, I think this game kind of played out a lot on how I anticipated it for him, unfortunately, because it was a defense that was going to play, you know, they were going to stop deep passes. They were going to force everything to come underneath and everything like that. So you kind of anticipated it coming like this. However, that being said, it's a little hot on this corner right now. The controversial corner is getting a little too warm, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it down a peg. I think we're gonna go a little bit more somber. I'm I'm getting a little worried, a little disappointed in the lack of development from Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like we talked earlier about how this run blocking was getting a lot better. They added some extra schemes, and this offensive line I think blocked it pretty well. I don't think that Clyde Edwards-Helaire is running great behind this offensive line. I got it last year on some of these zone runs where these guys were losing every single engagement, even if they got into the right spot. Like I fully understood being a little hesitant, trying to let the defender essentially win. So you had could find space to run to this year. Sometimes you just got to go and he's really struggling with that. And more so than just the indecisiveness. I think there's some runs where he's just simply the chiefs put him on some duo runs where all he has to do, he doesn't even have to make an unblocked player miss because they're so scared of Patrick Mahomes that everybody's accounted for. Every defender is accounted for in the box. He's not even two-gapping a linebacker where he can just pick whichever one the linebacker doesn't. He literally just has to pick the correct gap, and he missed it twice. There's some really bad plays out there on film for Clyde Edzilea right now. The Chiefs are still struggling to figure out how to properly use him in the passing game. And I understand that part of that's coaching. The coaching staff, the Chiefs offense, has got to weaponize this guy who we know is a very good receiver out in the backfield. But it's Andy Reid. It's Eric Bieniemy. This isn't a coaching staff that you can really say, hey, do they know how to use a running back in the passing game? I think I think we can put that check mark that box <laughs> for this coaching staff. So the fact that Claudio Zilaire is still just catching late passes in the flat, still just kind of getting, you know, screen routes is all it's getting called up for him. They're not dialing up man beaters, zone beaters for him. Makes me think it's a little bit with him. You add that on to the rushing issues that I think he's starting to showcase more and more with this more varied rushing scheme. I was, I'm a little worried. And the Chiefs spent a first-round draft pick on a running back that looks like he's struggling to run and receive. It's just not looking great right now. Now, unlike McCall Hardman, he's only in year two. They do still have over half of his rookie contract over you know that club control, <laughs> plus a potential fifth-year option. There is time to fix this stuff, but I want to start seeing signs of it. I think I saw these issues in the preseason. They were there last year, but I could make excuses for them based on the blocking this year. There's not excuses. you got to start seeing this you know, develop. you got to start seeing progress right now, or it is something to start getting worried about. 
All right. You two are, are too negative. You're just too <laughs> negative. My controversial corner is going to be a positive thing. And guess what, guys? Dave Tobe was right. He was 1,000% right. Oh, I don't care no. what oh, no. you have to say. Chris Lamont belongs on this team. Now, you can – listen, I'm I'm here for the argument that Dave Tobe maybe gets a little too much say in the roster. Dorian maybe O'Daniel. has a little much too – too much control over a few spots on this team but chris lamont was a guy that almost everybody every single chiefs fan looked at and went what's that guy doing there why isn't that tim ward why isn't that bo pete keys why isn't that you know any number of players like specifically targeted that guy as the guy that's like i don't understand him guess what my man comes out and not only has one impact special teams play not only has two impact special teams play three three two tackles inside the 20 and down in a ball at the one yard line on a perfectly placed tommy townsend punt dave tobe got that one 1000 percent right he really really did now you want to tell me maybe dorian o'daniel shouldn't be on this team all right yeah maybe marcus camp you know actually marcus had it was okay on special teams too but chris lamons belongs on this team so me being one of the ones that thought that man i don't really love that inclusion on the active roster i will be the one to sit here and say i was wrong we were all wrong he's already made an impact that justifies his inclusion on the 53 and we are one game in dave tobe was right well kudos to tobe and Chris Lamons or Lamonts here. I think this is a great pick because this is a twofer on controversial corner. Craig, is it Chris Lam- Lamonts or Lamonts? Lamonts. Heard the Chiefs pronunciation okay. guide. Okay, I just want to make sure because I, I think I heard both of you out of there. So I just I oh, love that. Oh yeah, I, I definitely corner. said both. But yeah, <laughs> a Lamonts. A Lamonts sounds like a delicious dessert you can get in New Orleans. That's my take. Good for Chris Lamonts. Uh, hey, Marcus Kemp also got some uh, some snaps on offense. By the way, he did. So, he did. Good for him. Good for him. All right, I don't. I just decided to create a new segment. I don't know why. We're just gonna do this. I want us all to hand out a game ball. Cool. So I want everyone to come up with somebody that they want to hand a game ball to for this game. And I'll just start. So I'll give you guys a second. I'm springing this on you. And I don't know if we're gonna do this for 17 weeks, but we're gonna do it for this week, as is tradition, I guess. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mike Hughes for making a big impact play late in the game to seal this an interception. Uh, you know, th- I, I think it's funny. It's a fun narrative. It's a fun story. You know, Mike Hughes has struggled to stay healthy. Uh, a former first round pick. There's a lot of talent there, uh, and he made a massive play uh, late in that game to seal this thing with an interception, making a play on the football. Uh, and it's funny enough, the uh, you know the Browns really didn't target. Mike Hughes when they needed a big play. They targeted the other guy across from Charvarius Ward. I'm not trying to be too negative, but Mike Hughes, I think, had a you know, he had a solid game and a great play to finish that thing out. Good on Mike Hughes. The Chiefs got him for next to nothing. Kudos to Brett Veach. He maybe gets a game ball too. I don't I, this is a new this this is just new. Boy, we're just we're well, rolling handing out a lot of game balls, Kent. You know what, Craig? You get a game ball, buddy. You oh, get a game ball. Awesome. Finally, Listen, I can retire. I love this segment. This segment's great. And I think we should always treat it like uh, those ridiculous college stickers, like that are or stickers that go on the back of helmets. They're never for like the best player on the game. They're just for like random things that you really liked that a I player did. You know, he hustled a little bit. 
so he gets a game ball. He gets oh. a sticker. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, marginalize with this who my game ball the giggles to, but Juan Thornhill stepped up big. No Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. Somebody had to make some plays for this defense. Chris Jones, yeah, I've made some down the stretch, but you know who kept them in the game up until Chris Jones finally got that motor running? Juan Thornhill did. Forced the fumble when the Chiefs desperately needed a stop. They weren't getting a stop on downs at that point in time. God, no. Mm-hmm. They needed a turnover, and he forced the Nick Chubb fumble. Later on, a pass that probably should have been completed. Juan Thornhill goes up, perfect position to play the ball through the wide receiver's hands, forces the incompletion. He kept them in this game. He made a lot of big plays. He stepped in for Tyron Matthew. I do think that the Chiefs still need Tyron Matthew, clearly, to do a lot of stuff. I'm don't not saying that Juan Thornhill's taking over Tyron Matthew's job, but they needed him for this game, and he showed up big. He was the Chiefs' best or second-best defender on the field arguably, you know, the second or first best defender in the entire game on the defensive side of the ball. So Juan Thornhill, have yourself a nice little helmet sticker for this game. All right. If we're going, if we're going to the deep pull here, I'm going to game ball to Steve Spagnuolo because he didn't just sit on the run game. He was run blitzing guys through the a gap, telling his defensive tackles, just penetrate and go upfield. I don't care where the play is going. Just try and wreck this. They are running all over. No, I'm joking. It's Chris Lamont. Give one to the man. <laughs> he may not get another one. Put a sticker on the back of that man's helmet. I want to see one next week. So a game ball goes out to Mike Hughes, a sticker and a game ball goes out to Chris Lamont. This is, this is all going great. Like I, there's just there's just you know what we're just giving things out you know what i'm gonna we should give boats out next week maybe that's awesome all right who gets the who gets you make it a jet ski it's Derek naughty yeah (laughs) we have to put that man on a jet ski i would pay to see that well that is going to do it for a live edition of the kc laboratory you can hear the replay of this if you only saw a little bit of this or watch a little bit of this on you can you can watch it on youtube later you can hear it on the podcast uh, channel. Thank you guys so much for spending a little bit of time with us. The Chiefs won 33-29. We'll be back to preview your undefeated Kansas City Chiefs as they take on the Baltimore Ravens. We'll catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.